Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. And my guest today is another member of Singularity University. And I love talking to everyone associated with Singularity because they're all like Renaissance men and women. They're into so many things. Uh, They're working on big, big projects and they have exponential thinking. So talking today to Michael Ledbetter, um, we're going to be talking about how exponential technologies affect business and how there's going to be people that fight it and ones that go with it and capitalize on it. So Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Like I said, every time I talk to someone that's uh, at Singularity University, there's so many things to talk about. It's great. And you guys are all working on uh, amazing stuff. So uh, today's topic, tell me what you're doing in that sphere and why it interests you. Sure. So I'm actually, um, so I actually, I have a few different things going on. So I I founded a company called uh, uh, Green Shoot EdTech, which is a consulting company to technology companies. Um, I spend most of my time working with Singularity University, helping them expand internationally. I'm, I'm actually currently negotiating all the deals for uh, country licenses for Singularity. In There's three in Europe and one in Australasia right now. Um, and finally, I'm, in the, I'm getting very close to launching uh, a public benefit corporation called Pivot Factory, which is focused on uh, creating diversity in data science. So those are my those are my three three main areas. And with with Singularity, I spend a lot of time uh, giving keynote presentations, a lot of time working with uh, you know with uh, clients from different industries. And the big push that I'm seeing right now is people uh, figuring out how to stay relevant and how to how to adapt to uh, you know this new world, which is exponential technology. Well, for folks listening, you know we we probably talked about it before, but because it's not business as usual, and because it's a different way of thinking. Tell me what exponential thinking and exponential technology is to you. Sure. Well, what it, what it is to me is um, the first thing is it is unprecedented. So we actually, it sounds like it sounds like a cliche to say, you know, we're living in unprecedented times, but we really are. And the, I mean, if, if you if you read any of the books that Peter Diamandis has written, you know, one of our co-founders, uh, you know, he'll he'll tell you that the the exponential change, which you know, basically means the incredibly fast and speeding up change of technology today, is having the same impact on the world that uh, a meteor did, you know, millions of years ago that actually took out took out the dinosaurs. So, what it means to me are there are there are some core technologies such as AI, such as networks, computing, sensors, such as robotics that are changing so quickly they they're getting better and better and better the price performance is changing so quickly that as 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 human beings we just can't fathom how quick the change is um and that interests me because from business from a business perspective it creates the opportunity for incredible business failure if you you know if you miss out on this and some and another entity comes in and moves moves ahead of you or you know, also uh, on the other side of the you know of the equation is there is uh, you know there has never been companies getting to billion, multi-billion dollar valuations so so quickly. So that, that's what it means to me. Okay. 
And tell me, so what, so with your perspective and all that you're involved in, um, how are businesses reacting? Do they even know about exponential technology? Um, you know, what, what kind of challenges is it going to create? Who will win and who will lose in this new world and with this new way of thinking? Yeah. So I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, I guess the best way to put it is I'm seeing a sliding scale, right? So there, there are some, there are some entities out there that, um, they really just are, are burying, burying their heads in the sand. And there's other entities out there who are being incredibly disruptive. Um, you know, they're very happy to embrace change and they're very happy to try and um, disrupt themselves. Um, but on, but on the whole, the average, you know, the average, uh, company that we work with and the average company that I, I go and speak with and work with are, they are typically in a position where they know disruption is coming, but they don't really know quite where it's going to come from. And they definitely don't know how to adapt to it. So they tend to come to me and come to us saying, can you just initially, you know, give us an overview of what's going on? What are, what are the technologies? What are the technologies that are, that are going to bite us? What are startups doing? What are our what are our contemporaries doing? And help, you know, how do we, how do we adapt to this? What kind of uh, companies and industries uh, are asking you for help? And you know, maybe talk about a few instances of what you told them in the use case. Yeah, so so great. So the biggest one that I see is financial services. So um, you know, I live I, I live in Manhasset. Um, you know, it's a it's a Wall Street town. I'm personally seeing a lot of a lot of disruption in this town, right? So there's a lot of disruption in terms of Wall Street jobs are being replaced by um, algorithms. So uh, Larry Fink two weeks ago, uh, the CEO of BlackRock, you know, he he came out and said that uh, I mean it's a relatively small proportion of their funds under management, but 30 billion dollars worth of funds are going to move across to fund management techniques that don't involve human beings but in but involve algorithms right so right there there are 36 jobs disappeared overnight and these are big jobs right these are people who are making millions of dollars these are these are sort of this is a this is a big deal but financial services companies come to us for a few reasons so first of all insurance companies are really baffled so insurance companies are really baffled about um you know a really obvious example is driverless cars so the ceo of volvo a year ago, um, said that when when Volvo's are when Volvo cars are released that have uh, automatic pilot, so you know you you buy a Volvo, you're driving down the highway, you get to 60 miles an hour, you hit autopilot, the car drives itself. He said that when when a customer is driving autopilot, if there's an accident, Volvo will assume 100% of liability because at that stage you're not driving. You know, there's there's no way it could possibly be your your fault because you're not driving, you're just sitting in the car. So I mean there are and there are dozens of examples like that. So as a result, insurance companies are coming to us saying, you know, we really need to understand what 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 different industries are being impacted and we need to understand what our you know what our contemporaries are doing. So that that's one piece. Another thing insurance companies are doing is, you know, I mean how how do they make money? They 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 sell pol- they sell policies they manage the policies they underwrite policies and they make payments. The second thing insurance companies are asking us about is what what exponentially growing technology should they be using to run their business? And there's one large French uh, large French insurance company that they they put aside a billion dollars and yeah. they want to spend this billion dollars on exponential technology pu- purely to run their business. Um, 
the Wall Street companies, uh, so you know, the banks and the fund managers, they're they're coming to us to see what uh, what what small startups are doing, and uh, you know how they can compete with those and how they can stay current. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, well, okay. I mean, you talked about the elimination of jobs, you know, big time jobs. Um, <clears throat> I understand that people need to look at trends and you know, et cetera. But can you give me some specifics, if if you can? You know, what are some specific things you've done to help uh, company X? make a change and what changes did they make? Maybe if you don't reveal the company name or the industry, that'll work, but as specific as you can be, well. Sure, so yeah, ab- absolutely. So um, I'll, give, I'll give you two examples. So example number one is um, there, there are four, the four main banks in, in Denmark. So one of those four main banks um, asked, asked Singularity to come in and spend a day with them to talk about exponential technologies and business disruption. So um, I, I went, so I spent a day with the CEO of this bank and his top 20 advisors. Uh, sorry, excuse me, his top 20 executives, not advisors. So there was the, you know, the CFO, there, there was the chief operating officer, there was the head of their mortgage division, the head of their retail banking division. And we spent a day walking through, first of all, what are, what are exponential technologies, um, how, how are companies adapting to them, what are the different types of disruption, and what are the different frameworks that, that we should be using to help adapt? So about halfway through the day, it was a real aha moment where I was, I was able to convince the CEO and his team that uh, even though they're one of the biggest banks in Denmark, and even though they're growing, they could be terribly disrupted very, very soon uh, by, by, by huge changes in the marketplace, um, either in the mortgage business or the retail banking business. So once they once they accepted that, and they really sort of you know this this happened at about lunchtime, we we were then able to spend the rest of the day talking through different frameworks, right? So um, you know one of the, one of the frameworks is um, the the um, exponential organizations framework uh, created by Salim Ismail, you know, one of the uh, one of the co-founders of Singularity, and what that framework does is um, it talks through different attributes that exponentially growing companies tend to have, right? So an exponentially growing company is a company that tends to perform at 10 times the rate of, of its contemporaries. And there are typically about five things they tend to do as it relates to their clients and their, and their community. And there tend to be about five things they do differently internally. So the first big outcome was this was a real aha moment for them. And we went through working sessions and, and the bank selected Two things. So they they selected uh, spending a lot more time and money on algorithms, and they and they selected spending a lot more time and money on experimentation. And at the end of the day, the um, the CFO literally stood up and said, "You know, um, I get it. We need to spend more money on this." So the following Tuesday, they had a meeting, and you know they went through the whole presentation deck, and they and they came up with a plan to. Uh, spend more time and money on algorithms and experimentation, and I, you know, I need, I need to check back in with them. But that, that was a very successful day. Okay, um, let me see what I can say here. Um, besides burying their head in the sand, <clears throat> what mistakes do you see companies making right now, or what mistakes do you see that they may make that will, you know, leave them out of what's happening, or make them uncompetitive, or cause them to go out of business? What are some guidelines you can give? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, so so you're right. So burying you know burying your head in the sand is absolutely you know the number one the number one issue. But 
Um, you, you, you can also waste a lot of money, right? So you can spend a, a lot of time and money um, running, you know, running around thinking you're doing the right thing, but not. So you can go and visit, you can go and visit Singularity. Excuse me, you can go and visit Silicon Valley. So I see a lot of companies. Please, please edit that. Um, so you, know, you, you, you can go and visit Silicon Valley. I see a lot of companies bringing their CEOs through Silicon Valley, and all they're really doing is going and touring, going to meet Facebook to get the standard tour, going to meet LinkedIn to get the standard tour, and it's not necessarily productive work. Um, or, or another mistake companies make is they. They feel like they're being productive because they're because they're setting up labs or they're setting up innovation centers and they're spending millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars on experimentation, but it's not necessarily the right type of experimentation. Um, sometimes it's too scattered. So if you are going to create experiments, you need to have a, a process, right? So you need to make sure that you're experimenting on a certain area. So one area may be as a financial services company, we, we know that artificial intelligence is very important for us, and we know artificial intelligence is very important for us in underwriting, for example. So they should then be conducting experiments uh, using artificial intelligence, either, either by working with startups or consultants around AI for underwriting. Uh, one of the mistakes I see is conducting a whole series of, of, of experiments about completely diverse things across the enterprise that don't really lead to one outcome. That, that's the that's the main issue that I see. Okay, can you say more about that? What do you mean that don't lead to one outcome? Um, well, it doesn't it doesn't lead to an outcome that moves the needle. So let me, let me give an example. So okay. there, there's um, the same large uh, insurance company that I referenced before. They they have labs. Uh, they have a couple of labs in the U.S. Uh, and they have a couple in Europe and one in Asia. And the the biggest challenge the people that run the labs have is they're not able to convince the senior executives at the company that their that their concepts are worthy, right? So the CEO or the, the executive leaders at the top of this insurance company, they feel good because they can say, we have labs. We're, we're very focused on innovation. We're spending money on this. We're running experiments. We've checked the box. But what's really happening is when the... Uh, when the people working in the labs come back with real game-changing ideas, the senior executive team just can't get their head around it. They can't possibly imagine that um, this is going to happen. You should have to adapt, or they can't possibly imagine that you should spend this much money. So all that actually ends up getting pushed out of these labs are very small incremental changes. So you know, perhaps something that takes five, you know, five percent of time off off processing claims or something that makes it a little bit easier to apply for insurance policy, but that's not game changing. And, I, and that, that, that's, that's a pretty common, uh, a pretty common fault in the uh, innovation space in, in large companies. So is there a, um, a toolbox that companies can use of available stuff that's out there right now? You know, large company, small company, company that needs help, but maybe can't get to you or, just wants to make some positive changes on their own. Anything you can recommend? Yeah, I would. I would recommend. I mean, the place that a lot of companies start at is reading the book um, Exponential Organizations. I think it's. I think it's a terrific book. It's. It's written by Salim Ismail. Um, it's a Singularity University book, and this book really does talk through. Um, it, it. It actually does a very good job of talking through the different attributes that exponentially growing, growing companies have. 
so what I've what I've seen happen quite often is, um, I mean, what what usually happens is the the senior executive in the room, he or she reads the book. Um, you know, they 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 understand it. They kind of get religion, and then they'll have their executive team read a book. And then what they'll typically do is pick an out. They'll 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 typically pick one of these attributes, and then and then chase that attribute. So, for example, one of the attributes of um, one of the attributes of exponential organizations is is, is a staff on demand. So, the largest insurance company in Australia. They've um, they're at the the CTO has actually bought into this, right? So what what he said is, I I never want more than fifty percent of my IT staff to be employees because the minute the the minute they're an employee, they're going to start getting out of date. I want at least fifty percent of my IT staff to be contractors because by the very nature of a contractor, you have to stay current. So one of the attributes of the book is staff on demand, which is obviously. You know, for us old timers, it's um, you know you're you're replacing fixed costs with variable costs. But more importantly than that is you're you're fixing you're replacing staff with uh, probably or you know potentially probably fresher, more more savvy con- consultants who are out there in the field. So you know, hopefully that gives you a couple right. of ideas of how how companies can adapt. Well, maybe a couple more. So, what what are some specific books they should read? to get them into this thinking. It sounds like Peter's books for a start, Bold and Abundance, yeah, abundance. right? Yeah, Bold, Abundance, and um, Exponential Organizations. I think those are, those are really good books that, that, that frame out the problem um, and the opportunity. They, they really frame out the fact that um, technology is growing exponentially. And mo- most importantly, the rate of change is speeding up. So. If, um, if as a senior executive within a company, you think, wow, you know, the world's, the world's really changed. Technology's really changed the way we do business. A lot of our, a lot of our competitors are struggling. Well, the fact of the matter is you haven't seen anything yet, right? Because the rate of change is going to increase, is, is, is going to increase. It's going to, it's going to keep getting faster and faster and faster. So if you read these books, you know, um, abundance, bold and exponential organizations, you really understand how, how, how the rate of change is going to increase. And that should give you a sense of urgency to actually do something. Okay. So those books are a great start. Um, other resources you can recommend? Um, I, think, I think that's a good start. Obviously, I think, um, I think working with a company like Singularity University, I, I hate to turn this into a plug, but I think, um, sure. you know, again, what, so the corporate journey at Singularity is typically – there were typically two doorways, right? So doorway number one, which is the most common doorway, is, hey, I'm a, I'm a senior executive within a large company or, um, or I'm, a, I'm a politician, I'm a prime minister, I'm a president, which, which is actually fairly common instant singularity. And I know disruption's coming, I don't quite know what, and I need help. So doorway number one typically leads singularity to help with some education programs, right? So um, you know, a one or two day custom program, a six day executive program, attend a conference, take some digital learning, which will pretty much talk you through sort of three or four things. So the first thing is what are, what are the core exponential technologies? So what are the technologies that are changing so quickly? Um, secondly, what are the applications of those technologies, right? So, okay, I get it. AI is, is, is growing exponentially. It's getting better and better every year. 
but what are the applications, right? So obviously one of the big applications is driverless cars. Um, another one is um, big data, right? So, so, what, so the second thing is what are the applications? The third piece is um, what, what are the frameworks that I as an executive, what are the kind of frameworks that I can use? So obviously one of them is exponential organizations. Another one is is uh, the three the three horizon framework. So, what are the th- what are the three horizons I should be looking at? Um, and then so that so, so, so that's door number one. Door number two, which we which people come to us often is, well, I know what's coming. I know what the I know what the exponential technologies are, and I with my executive team we we've selected we're going to really focus on using algorithms to solve this particular problem. Right, or we've selected using artificial intelligence, or, or we've selected robotics. Like we're going to use robotics to solve this problem in our business. So people are coming through the second door. We then we then we then direct them to our to our labs team. So we have a labs team, and we'll run them through, for example, disruption workshops. So, for example, okay, um, if you're very focused on how robotics is going to change your business, let's let's. Let's flip the camera and say, um, if you were trying to disrupt your business using robotics, how would you do it, right? Because that that tends to be a great way to get people thinking about different applications. Mm, okay. Okay. Or we'll do something called uh, a sci-fi die, which is a uh, a science fiction design workshop, saying, okay, let's focus on robotics and let's look thirty years out. So, what is your uh, what does your company look like twenty, twenty five, thirty years out? Uh, because of this disruption, and then how to start to de- design for that, and then and then those companies tend to come back to us for some very light, so for some lightweight prototyping. Um, okay. We can then we can then help with market testing, market acceptance and testing, and then ultimately we can you know we can help them to uh, you know to find partners to help build build products. So the, those are the two you know I think those are two doorways. It's what is the disruption? Please educate me and. Okay, I get it. Now now help me get there. So it sounds like um <clears throat> one good thing for companies to do is like you said, uh at least be aware first of what the disruptions are in the industries and then project out 5, 10, 15, 20, maybe even 30 years, assume that these technologies are going to get a lot further than you think and then ask yourself questions. How will our organization fit into this new model? And what changes do we need to make to be ready for it? And what things should be should be changed? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the best uh, one of my favorite frameworks to walk people through this. This was very effective with the Danish bank is uh, uh, the Three Horizon framework. So so what this basically does is it it actually focuses the executive team on Horizon One, which is now, right? So it's it's this quarter, it's this six months. And then Horizon Two, which is basically uh, sort of six to eighteen months out, which is typically version two point of whatever you're doing now. And then Horizon Three, which is about three years out. So in every case that I've been involved in, the executive team will acknowledge that the CEO is laser focused on Horizon One, which is now because he or she is you know focused on results today. Um, they they typically tell me that Horizon Two. Is where most of the money is being spent. So Horizon Two is listen. We need to upgrade our, you know, our payment system. It's going to cost five million dollars up to upgrade our payment system. We're using one of these big sexy vendors. You know, we're spending millions of dollars on this, and it's going to roll out in six months to a year. 
But very few, very, very few executive teams are focused on the third horizon, which is what's happening, what's going to happen three years out. And the third horizon really is where companies should be thinking about complete industry changes, right? So complete industry disruption. And what and what's happening in most cases is the CEO is really focused on horizon one and two, but not at all on horizon three. And what needs to happen is the CEO needs to let his or her uh, operating team focused on horizon one and horizon two, and then he or she really needs to support uh, research and development and thinking and innovation around horizon three, because that, that's what's going to keep you in business long term. Okay. Um, any, let's see. So the three horizons framework is great. Asking yourself questions, uh, the books, you know, awareness. So it sounds like there's a few stages already. So there's awareness, um, the three horizon framework, asking yourself the right questions. Are there any other off-the-shelf tools or things that have already been developed? Um, any curriculums? Does Singularity have one? Uh, is there anything else that can take an executive team to the next stage and guide them? You know, there's consulting, obviously, but, but what else is there? Is there any other tools out there? Yes, yes, for sure. So another tool is um, it's, 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 it's known as one of two things. So it's either known as... Uh, market sensing or or tech scouting um and this is this is a service that singularity offers as well but other other companies do it themselves is um it's it's very important for these uh executive teams to know what's going on in the marketplace so for example if i was um a ceo in the financial services business i would want to know all about um uh, fintech right so you know fintech is actually there are actually about 12 different types of fintech there's you know there's um, technology around payment systems there's technology like um ePaysa, which you know which people use in kenya to to wire wire money to each other using cell phones there's technology focused on on keeping uh keeping finra happy right so that's, that's called RegTech. so i think i think market sensing is very important to know what are all these technologies that are out there that, that you could use, right? So they're, they're being developed. You can use them. Um, what, what are your competitors doing? What are startups doing? And where are the investments going? Um, and if you look at the big banks like uh, uh, the Royal Bank of Scotland, they are, I mean, they've made some pretty bold statements about, um, I'm pretty sure it was the Royal Bank of Scotland made a statement that, in the next 10 years, they want to replace um, 80%, 80% of processes that are currently done by human beings. Um, and, they, and they think that'll, you know, they think that'll, that'll, that'll have billions, you know, literally billions of dollars worth of savings. Um, there's another large bank, you know, a bulge bucket bank, bulge bracket bank, which has, is using uh, um, automated um, customer service now. And the automated customer, the automated customer service has um, it ha it can sense emotions, right? So they're actually testing where if somebody's on a call and I'm getting a bit snippy, it's there. It's a robo advised robo advised vision. If it's get if if the person's getting a bit snippy, it can it, it can actually sense that, right? And it can react differently. So these these large banks are recognizing that they can save a huge amount of money by using algorithms and and automating. Which is great if you own stock in those banks, but it's not great if you're an employee right. in those banks. Yeah, so uh, we're getting close to being finished, but let's talk about that. What do you do if you're just a regular person and you don't 
plan to have, uh, you know, an exponential company or what if you're a small business? I mean, what are some strategies for them to be able to adapt and survive in the world that's coming? That's, that's interesting, right? So, so I actually, um, I've been working a lot with uh, uh, European companies recently. And I, it wasn't until recently that I, that I realized quite how strong the unions are in Europe. So, you know, the, the answer I typically give is, you know, being, I'm a, you know, I've been an American citizen for a while now. So being an American, I, my response is typically, well, it really is up to the individual to stay current. It really is up to you to, you know, to read the newspapers and, you know, to read, read, uh, you know, follow the media on, on websites to understand where technologies are going understand where your industry is going so it's incumbent on you to stay ahead of the game if you say that to um um a room full of europeans you'll get you'll get shouted out of the room because they're, they're very focused on you know they're very union driven c- countries um you know and they'll say well no it's not on you it's on the employer it's on the country so my response to them then is well it's incumbent on your unions to, to do that education right so you know, it's, it's incumbent on your unions or your employees to help people stay current. And there are jobs out there. I mean, the challenge is skill sets aren't, you know, they're definitely not transferable, right? So there's no way, you know, there's no way somebody who works in a factory whose uh, job has been replaced by a robot can necessarily computer uh, uh, become a computer programmer. But, you know, there are some jobs out there that are, you know, for example, uh, um, data science, it's been, it's been predicted that within a couple of years, there's going to be one and a half million jobs in the U.S. alone that there's, there's no one qualifies for. So there are oh. some jobs out there, you know, in, in the programming space, in the data analysis space, which, uh, you know, there is going to be huge, huge demand. And I would say, I would say as a small business owner, um, I, would, I would look to using, um, I mean, this is, a, this is a really sort of overly simplified answer, but I would look at using technology to enable your business, right? So can you use crowdsourcing to create logos? And, and uh, you know, I've, I've, I've designed logos and names of companies using crowdsourcing. You know, for $200, you can have a logo created. Are there any, you know, are there any, are there any back office systems you can automate? Um, can, you, can you reduce your cost of acquisition to zero by, by creating ecosystems to generate demand rather than using direct marketing? Um, are there forms yeah. of, you know, advertising you can do online, you know, particularly through ecosystems that that previously you paid for? So I think I think it's incumbent on 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 all of us just to stay very educated, and and to understand the rate of changes is getting quicker and quicker. <laughs> so you know, if you if you're not on top of things now, you really you really have to be. Is it a generalization? Maybe it's not. I mean, what do you think are going to happen to jobs, and what do you think? people are going to do about it. You know, what if in the next 10 years, uh, 50% of jobs go away, or do you think that new job will, will come to replace them? Or what, you know, what are your thoughts on the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm an optimist, right? So I think, I think new jobs will come to replace them. And I think, you know, one of, one of the reasons I'm an optimist is, look, it wasn't, it wasn't too long ago that people worked, you know, an average work week was seven days a week, right? So, you know, now, now we have a certain, a certain amount of abundance that we didn't have before. And we're, you know, we're in this re- relatively luxurious position now of only working five days a week. So there's no reason why it shouldn't keep moving in that direction. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I don't mean to pretend that it's not going to be easy, but 
I, I, I mean, look at, uh, you know, I have, I have friends who work at Facebook, work at LinkedIn, work at Amazon, uh, work at Uber. The, you know, these, not so long ago, these companies didn't exist, right? And now, now they, now they employ tens of thousands of people in, in, you know, you know, relatively well-paying jobs. So I think there's going to be a dislocation. Um, I think there's going to be a shift and I think it's incumbent on people to, to stay current and to get themselves retooled and, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest, uh, the, uh, the most required trait that I see today is adaptability. You know, I think previously it was intelligence and after that it was emotional intelligence. But I, I think one of the biggest, uh, the biggest attributes now is, um, is to be adaptable, either as a, as a CEO of a company, as the uh, leadership team of, the, of a company or, or as an individual. So if you're adaptable, okay. you're going to be okay. Gotcha. Um, any other thoughts on the uh, the near future? I mean, do you 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 know, again, I'm not trying to insult people or anything, but it just seems like um, because of human nature, I think many people are not forward looking that far. They're just busy in their day to day lives, and they're just trying to survive and and work and have families and all that. What do you? I, I mean, this I guess this goes too expansively, but there's going to be a dislocation. But do you think it's going to be uh, a cataclysm? Do you think that people will adopt in time, or you know, what do you guess will happen to various societies over the next five, ten years? Or do you think it's further out than that, where there's going to be a, a major upheaval? Yeah, I think I think the major upheaval is going to be in about in about fifteen years out. I think you know the the big upheavals already happened. You know, in the in the Rust Belt, right? So you know, it's 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 incredibly sad to think about those. You know, very very proud hardworking people in the in the Rust Belt who, you know, they 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 worked hard at their jobs, they did very well, and then and then the industry collapsed. You know, it's it's being said that the uh the life the lifespan of a company on the S P five hundred used to be sixty seven years. Now it's fifteen years, right? So it's gone from sixty seven years to fifteen years. So wow. I think it's gonna be different in different regions. Um I I I would just it's just really incumbent on people to, you know, most most of us now, not all, but most of us now have access to the internet. And I think it's very important to to educate ourselves. And what, I mean, just one interesting story that came out recently was um, Taser, you know, Taser, which makes the, uh, you know, the stun guns. They've actually rebranded as Axon. And uh, recently they, they've launched a campaign saying they will give every single, every single policeman in the country, in the U.S., a free body camera. Now, huh. just to show how incredible that is, right? So just think, just think of all the social change that that's going to come with that. Just think of all the potential conflicts and lawsuits that could be resolved. But also think about all the the other side, which is, you know, we we haven't really written the policies around the use of body cameras, so it could actually create more problems, right? So if a policeman switches off his camera at the wrong time, or if somebody gets into an incident with a policeman, and I, I, I actually am very, I'm very supportive of policemen and firemen, so this isn't a criticism, but if somebody gets into a disagreement with a policeman, do they, by law, have rights to that footage or not? I mean, and, and the answer mm, is, right. the, you know, the, the law hasn't been written yet. And then Axon, yeah. um, which used to be Taser, they're actually, they think they're pretty close to having um, a facial, facial recognition technology built into these cameras. So... Right. What's going to happen when every policeman in the country has facial recognition on a body camera? I don't want so to again, know. You know <laughs> just just wear a hat, you'll be okay. 
Uh-huh. No, I, so, you know, it's, it's it, you know, it's funny. There's people that say, "Oh, if you have nothing to hide," it's, but then there's, you know, obviously, I don't have, I'm not in fear of the police, but at the same time, I value my privacy, and I just wouldn't want to be, you know, identified like that. But it, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So. It's coming, you yeah. know, it's definitely coming. And, and um, I think just to answer your question directly, I, I, the union leaders I, I talk to in Europe don't like this answer, but my answer is every individual has to stay educated. You have to jump online and understand what's going on in your industry and you have to be proactive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's about all the time we have, you know, like, like I said, that's the, the good and the bad of talking to uh, people like you is that we can talk for hours. There's <laughs> just too much to talk about. We haven't even gone into, you know, the, two of the other efforts you're involved in. Um, but it's been a great conversation. Um, for people that want to know more or talk to you about consulting, you know, for their company, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, just just uh, reach me at uh, Michael at greenshootedtech.com. So that's Michael at greenshootedtech.com, as in education technology. And uh yeah, I look forward to I look forward to helping you all out, and thank you very much for this interview. This was, uh, you know, it was great talking to you. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming. You have been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, three D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.